1: Big, big TJ. How are you feeling today? Uh, not great, but a little bit better.
0: Are you? I feel like that your battle with your tum tum is leading me to believe that you're a little more bitch made than I once realized.
1: My my uh, my <laughs> <laughs> my systems are down. My immune my immunity <laughs> is was not functioning very highly at all. So. So you know the shields were damaged, and it allowed yeah you know bacterial penetration to come in.
0: <laughs> bacterial penetration is one of the worst kinds of penetration, bro. I would say as far as that stuff it. goes.
1: Yeah, but but I'm I'm bro. feeling much better than I was yesterday. Which I mean, we are recording this podcast a week in a week early, just to let you guys know. That's why we might be talking about things that seem old.
0: Nothing seems old when it's through the how long gone lens
1: in case you're wondering why like oh my god is tj still ha- have a fp it's called long fp it's a new <laughs> it's a new
0: disease that you've founded where your stomach just feels bad for weeks mm-hmm. because you you eat too many um you know greens that are that are unfortunately filled with with disgusting bacteria
1: somebody uh, chopped isn't washing their hands properly <laughs>
0: Uh, I, I need to watch those guys when they come out of the bathroom because sometimes I see them wear the same rubber gloves uh-huh. to the toilet and back to the back to the salad station.
1: Yeah. Cause I, I wash I wash my hands before I pee, not after. I'm one of those kinds of guys. Because I respect <laughs> the hog, so you know.
0: So you're saying you're saying that because you have so much respect for your hog, you wash your hands before using the restroom.
1: Absolutely, my hands are filthy compared to my precious penis. That's,
0: that's actually it's interesting to think about because I know I I've never thought that before. And sometimes I wash my hands first too because they're soiled from dining, and I really hate. You, you hate I getting hate food all over your dick.
1: Clean. I get it, brother, man. I get it. I, get it. I, yeah, I hate. Kidding. Well, I yeah, mean, to I me, it, like American it's very high voice. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, I always think about the word "dirty," and like when you think about what dirt actually is, it's not really any. Like, dirt is you know, it's it's soil, it's earth, you know. So it's not really. It's not really something damn, that's actually. Damn. Don't, don't. I'm not done yet. TJ, I feel like your third eye is open. <laughs> I wasn't done talking yet.
0: I'm. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Well, now I lost track. But you know, it kind of it kind of makes you wonder why you know what things you know you really do think are are putrid or gross. And like to me, getting a little bit of broccolini on my dick is is not a problem because I that's <laughs> something that's been washed and clean and it's it's fine. But you know, it's it's other things. It's like. You know, you go to the you go to the gas <laughs> station. You got to touch the fucking <laughs> nozzle and stuff like that. And Like that's the kind of stuff where I can't I can't do anything until I wash my hands. Like I can't even think until I wash my hands after I do something like that.
0: I get that. So you're just rubbing broccolini on the hog, but no unleaded.
1: <clears throat> that's right. And thank God, you know, I you know the Tesla. Once that becomes more popular, unfortunately, you don't. You have to. You know, if you go to a supercharger station, you still have to touch the nozzle. But it does have a, uh, you know, you, you feel like the clientele there are, are a little bit cleaner than than my bros over at Arco. You know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> so are you saying that Teslas are for rich people? I haven't heard that line of thinking before.
1: No, no, no. I wasn't saying that at all. Don't take my words out of context. I was saying that rich people are cleaner than poor people. Okay.
0: Oh, okay. Now, now we're back on track. Back on track. Sorry, I was really confused Please. for a second. Thank you for making that important clarification.
1: But um, yeah, yeah. Now I'm drinking. I'm drinking a a half mud half la Croix spritzer right now i haven't eaten food in two days other than salty saltine crackers so Hot. oh yeah baby i'm already i'm already below my goal weight I had a big night on the town last night in in
0: Hollywood, Jason.
1: Great. So while I was puking into a bucket and editing our podcast, you had a nice night on the town. Tell me about it, Chris. Well,
0: Jason is the face of this podcast. I have to be seen around town at local hotspots and other activations to make sure that How Long Gone stays relevant and part of the You're not the face of
1: this podcast. You're not the face. You don't even have any selfies on your Instagram, bitch. I posted a picture of us earlier today and... And a listener was like, "Damn, not, I, that's what Chris looks like."
0: Damn, he is fine. I didn't realize. Damn, why he hiding Why did he hide in his pretty little face? But I, um, mm-hmm. I met a friend of the show Andrews for a quick bite at an Aussie eatery. I'm sorry, um, which obviously goes against my morals and other codes, but. Um, mm-hmm it it's it a real restaurant finally opened on Larchmont which i feel like is an extremely overdue and interesting that it took this long there's
1: real restaurants over there i guess i guess it depends on what your definition of real is but you
0: know but you know what i mean it's like the fact that it's a it's a very uh high net worth neighborhood and there's not a restaurant where you can get a 30 dollar bowl of vegetables is crazy <laughs> i mean that's okay crazy, okay so that that's, okay, crazy, that's what but.
1: your definition of a real restaurant is i understand that
0: yeah yeah so so we went it's called Great White and there's one in the cursed Venice neighborhood I guess
1: oh uh, i'm familiar with this cursed restaurant
0: but i gotta say bro it was pretty fucking good i I have to admit it was it was it was pretty good the service was good i mean there were too many kids and too many dogs but that's la in general
1: okay well yeah I, i think i've been to the one in venice once for like a a meeting a long time ago.
0: Was it when you were doing your uh, Them Jeans Surf <laughs> capsule, or was this a different meeting? This
1: is—I was probably ideating something with Australian people. I don't know why I agreed to go there, but <laughs> let me get you—let me get you a flat white, mate. You've never had one like this before. I, the the golden latte was on them. Hopefully,
0: <laughs> 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 Could I get a large? Do you have a twenty-four ounce golden latte?
1: The turmeric is heaps good for your immunity. I've read.
0: Um, but the uh, overall the meal was good. But then then Andrews and I. Uh, zipped down, uh, Sunset Boulevard to the famed Roxy Theater, Jason. It's
1: been a while since I touched down in the Roxy.
0: They know me there, um, from my kind of like, you know, riot Hyatt era. You know did what I mean? Did they
1: have your, your, your normal table reserved for you?
0: They have my normal table reserved. They did have some, they did thankfully have some chicken tenders waiting. They were, they were <laughs> cold, but you know, it's fine. I, I, I didn't, I, I didn't really go to eat.
1: You know what I mean, Jason? Luckily you had eaten before, otherwise it would have been an issue. It, it would
0: have been a problem, but we went to go see, uh, fellow elite podcasters, uh, Lara and K- and Carrie, uh, Sexy Unique Podcast, had a live show last night. So I thought it'd be good to go kind of scope out the competition, take some notes, mm-hmm. see what's up, see what's down. See see how live podcasting
1: is going down in WeHo.
0: Exactly. And it was honestly, I laughed.
1: <laughs> good. I hope so. I mean, those guys are very funny. We've had both of them on the show.
0: They're very funny. And it was good to see. It was good to, to be in that environment. And they brought out a special guest uh, from... Uh, Vanderpump rules who looked like she had been um mm-hmm. you know kind of inflated I would say almost like a blo- <laughs> almost like a balloon
1: are you are you just speaking purely
0: on weight gain well i'm speaking on i'm speaking on i think what happens with a lot of these you're talking reali- about ego i'm well you're talking about the id no i think that a lot of these a lot of these these like reality people they get started pretty young so they're still hot like most of us okay and then they get a little money and they get some weird fillers and plastic surgery and they continue to drink at a clip that you cannot drink at 20. Uh, when, when you're 35, you can't drink like you're 22.
1: Chris, I don't know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. I mean, you look great. Thank God. Cause you've been throwing up for the last two days, but uh, <laughs> you know, be- before that, you know, your fillers have not even settled yet.
1: Uh, okay. So interesting. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying, but
0: it was, it was very funny. And then during the show, Andrews and I are, are laughing at something. Um, and then he shows me his phone, and Nicole Richie's hair is on fire. Yes. So I, 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 it was a big night just all around for not only the the Madden Richie family, but also for me and Andrews.
1: Fellow Virgo, Nicole Richie, those beautiful locks went up as she was blowing out the candles of her fortieth birthday cake. Doesn't it make, doesn't that make you feel old that Nicole Richie's forty?
0: Well, no, she's the same age as us, and she looks hot, so I like it.
1: <laughs> I know, I know,
0: I know. I, Nicole Richie, never forget, Nicole Richie drove her. Range Rover the wrong way on the highway when she was gone off the perks. That's legendary shit.
1: On the two freeway in Glendale. That's right. That's right. I think we've talked
0: about this before, but that's that's Hall of Fame, hang your jersey behavior.
1: Now she was kind of the original um Chloe Kardashian for me in terms of yeah, me yeah. me always wanting to pick kind of the odd man out in terms of the, the whole selection.
0: So you're saying if there's if there's no Asians available, you'll pick the odd man out?
1: You get it. You get it. (laughs) But when the when the simple life was going and Paris and Nicole were in full swing, you know, everyone was kind of like, Oh, Paris Hilton's so hot and Nicole's kind of like the frumpy dumpier one. Even though she wasn't frumpy or dumpy, but you know, she kind of had a little bit more of a glazed over look in her eyes and Mm -hmm. you know, she kinda had her, her little party p- party pouch popping mm-hmm. off you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i always i always just liked i always just had a weird little creepy crush on, on nicole richie so it's good to see her getting her life straight on in order and getting her ducks in a row and i'm luckily narrowly narrowly escaping her uh, her whole head getting on fire because that's that looked like a kind of a serious accident well,
0: luckily she i think because she's so small she could slide out of the sunroof and it was no problem and that you know that luckily being you know pocket sized pays off when you get into an accident.
1: That's right. Yeah, I mean I've seen I've seen you know restaurant and bar related fires like that happen, and I've I've seen them go south for sure.
0: I'm 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 worried about her. We'll call her later and check in.
1: I'm sure she wouldn't have posted that video if she you know was that's in a the burn. Ward. I don't know.
0: I don't know. She's pretty. She's funny. She. No, that's what I love about her. She's down to clown. She's D two C. She'll Who, come with. Who she
1: Who she partnered up with? She's still the Madden brother, bro. They got the kids. Madden.
0: The Madden brothers are the most successful pop punk graduate, bro. They got they got Cameron Diaz and Nicole Richie holding them down in Studio City. That's that's a win. I have no idea how they pulled that off. Still
1: keeps me up at night. Money,
0: bro. They're rich. They're rich. And and those those made shoes that you have in a size 17 <laughs> lead me to believe that you do know the difference in how those they
1: those score. chicks don't need money though. <laughs> those chicks don't need money.
0: Yeah, but chicks that have money want dudes with money.
1: Sure, sure, sure yeah. there, there's a lot mm-hmm. there, those aren't the only guys with money. I'm saying there's something else going on there.
0: yeah, you don't have any money, I agree I, I agree <laughs> we, we do have, we do have a guest today. Uh, right. old old friend of mine and an Atlanta Georgia graduate uh, he he was the restaurant critic at the Atlanta Journal Constitution. He has written a new book called Springer Mountain Meditations on Killing and Eating, um, where he kind of takes an investigative look at uh, why we eat meat. And it is a wild ride, mm-hmm. and I, I there was a couple. There's a couple great essays in here. He goes to Alaska to kill some whales. He uncovers a, a fake uh, organic farm in Atlanta. Um, he lives with the chickens, you know, um, which which is something that I feel like you should do, Jason.
1: He's coming live from the slaughterhouse, and I'm ready.
0: <laughs> no, no, Joe, no Joe, no Joe Budden, not slaughterhouse, the rap group, right? No, no, no,
1: no, and no. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're. We're going to be hunting and trapping some wild game, some some bushmeat. <laughs> Today's episode will consist of a lot of bushmeat talk. Our listeners at home have been asking for this, and we're going to deliver it to them. So let's give Wyatt Williams a Zoomy.
0: Hey there, overwhelmed foodies. Are you drowning in a sea of meal kit options, feeling like you're in a bad dating game where every contestant looks the same? Fear not, because amidst the chaos, there's one shining star worth your culinary affection – Home Chef is not just another fish in the meal kit. See, they're the gourmet catch that you've been dreaming of. Say goodbye to swiping left on lackluster meals and swipe right for the one brand that will make your taste buds swoon.
1: Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef design recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions... Speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients. I like to chop myself. Or quick microwave meals that are assembled in minutes. Home Chef has you and your entire family covered for delicious meals, wordy options per week, and serves a variety of dietary needs. So you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. I'm Keto now. Not only is it convenient, but it is also (laughs) economical. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries mamma mia
0: for a limited time home chef is offering my listeners our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert faux life at homechefcom chef.com slash how long that's homechefcom chef.com slash how long for 18 free meals and free dessert for life homechefcom slash how long must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert How Long Gone is brought to you by Nutrafol. As you know, you know, hair thinning is quite complicated. Like your skin, hair is a reflection of your health, Uh uh-oh, and internal factors can impact the way your hair looks, feels, and most importantly, grows. Nutrafol's whole body approach multi-targets underlying root causes like stress, hormone fluctuations, and nutrient gaps for visibly
1: how long all one word find out why over 4500 healthcare professionals and stylists and professional stylists recommend neutrophil for healthier hair com spelled n-u-t-r-a-f-o-l i got R A F on the nut <laughs> dot com promo code how long that's com <laughs> promo code how long
0: how long gone is brought to you by our dear friends at better help jason
1: better help
2: You know, I was just uh I was just reading about you guys in the New York Times. That's
0: cool that that's cool that they found us. It's we you know, we feel like we're pretty like we're beasting in the underground, so it's
1: kind of cool when like a newspaper How did you like the article, Wyatt?
2: Well, you know, uh <laughs> You guys <got it? laughs> I know that it was not about
1: you and more
2: about Chris and I, but you know, just us Yeah,
0: are you saying that you would have done things differently because that's not really what we're trying to hear?
2: You know, dude, no, it's Fucking beautiful article, and you guys look beautiful, and and you got the integrity T shirt in there. So, I mean, I feel like you scored a win there in the Times.
0: Yeah, that's Jason's biggest accomplishment. <laughs> First and last time integrity will ever be mentioned in the New York Times, both in the political section and in the the styles the mm-hmm. styles. Yeah,
1: hopefully, I can get a follow back from Dwid from that, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> I, I got my fingers crossed. I you, wonder, dude. definitely. No, thank you, thank you. I, I
0: hope, I hope Dwid's social media manager listens to this and, and kind of his whole is, team is
1: able to push, push, follow. yeah,
0: Dwid's whole team exactly. Uh, Wyatt, where are you? Where are you? Where are you at right now? Are you in Iowa?
2: Yeah, dude, I'm in Iowa. Um, and you know, like, uh, i like I just rented a house here, and uh, like my car broke down yesterday. And I'm supposed to leave for the airport, like on Friday, and like a fire alarm went off in in my uh, basement just now. And I was so stressed, I didn't even realize that the alarm was going off. So like, that's, that's the vibe here just like slight stress
0: great vibe great vibe so just to just inform people you you live in iowa by choice this is not a this is not i think he might be
1: in uh he might be taking like a writing class or something like that chris i don't know if it's a permanent residence
0: oh i thought i thought you were in jail but i guess if you chose it (laughs) if you chose it yourself so what's what's going on in the cornfields over there
2: you want the short story of how i ended up here or like the long story because the long story is kind of fun let's go medium wyatt medium go medium let's See, a couple years ago, like end of 2019, I was living in like a a place that like people actually choose to live, mm-hmm. um, uh, like in Bali. Mm. And and honestly, man, having like a terrible time, it doesn't make any sense. But clearly, this is it is-
0: because is it because you you weren't very good at surfing?
2: Yeah, dude. A, I'm a terrible surfer completely. I'm kind of blind. So like, when I take my glasses off, like it's no good in the water. Like it's just not happening.
1: Too many Australians over there in Bali as well, huh?
2: You know, you know, I got a lot of Australians that I love in my mm-hmm. life, and a lot of respect to them. But I got to say, the the Australians that show up in Bali are maybe not doing the best. Like yeah. you know, global PR for uh, the other Australians. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's a weird vibe. It can be a weird vibe there.
1: But it's a good place to do drugs if you are Australian. Killer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> killer yeah. place to do some <laughs> jokes. The it's tough to get him. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh- so you're in bali you're not very good at surfing um i'm sure the restaurant scene is lacking you know to
1: to say the least
0: no i mean look i i I love avocados as much as the next guy but i don't know what the season is like over there what what's the how are the avocados
2: uh avocados are not good um the fruit is extraordinary man i gotta say like like southeast asia is absolutely killing the fruit game Mm -hmm. mangoes all the time papaya they have these um really large sort of grapefruit, like extra large grapefruit type fruits called mm -hmm, pomelo. And man, if you can get pomelo, I feel like the Japanese pay like $50 a fruit for these things, but they're just like falling off the trees. And Bali, man, pomelo is the best thing in the world.
1: I'm a fan. I'm a fan of them as well.
0: Where can you get that, Jason? in In Glendale, I don't believe it. So where no, have you, you ha- can
1: you can they, you can see them at the farmers market every once in a while. They're not they're not super rare in, in L.A. Actually, don't make
0: me go to the farmers market. You know how I feel
1: about that. <laughs> you can go. You can God go to Bezos it. Farms. Everyone, you know, certain locations of Bezos Farms will have. If it. I can
0: hit Bezo if I can hit Bezos Farms and they'll have it, that's a little more my speed. Were you picking these fruits yourself, like shirtless? chopping them up or or was the vibe a little more buttoned up for you
2: no no dude definitely i was i was shirtless the whole time i was in bali just picking fruit Mm -hmm. for sure I had like a machete that I would open uh, coconuts with, oh yeah, and um damn, and then you know every once in a while I like spend an afternoon on a motorcycle that's that's pretty much what i was doing
0: what what kind of were you taking like solo motorcycle trips into the deep wilderness
2: i I was on some eat Pray love shit, man, yeah, I was <laughs> explain what that means to you please wyatt <laughs> well I had, so I'd been like a restaurant critic in Atlanta for like a number of years, right mm-hmm. and i had just i'd completely burned out. I like hated my job. I was not happy. I was like and I had this like book that I hadn't finished. And I was like so I had some friends that had moved to Bali, me and my my partner, uh mutual friends, and and they were like, just come over to Bali for a few months. Our neighbor's house just opened up. You can like sublet it. You'll hang out, you'll finish your book, everything will be like fine and easy. Mm-hmm. And like all of that was like a lie, you know, like couldn't finish <laughs> the book, like like was like completely lost without my job, you know, it's just like, like really fucking floundering, man. And like, you know, I'd like finally like started talking to a therapist for the first time in my life, mm. man, you know, was telling him like all the troubles, you know, they, they add up right when you get in your late thirties and you haven't done mm. any of the work and you're just like, Oh, like I, yeah, I can't that's right. Cure mm-hmm. this with like a 50 bag and a, a couple more drinks or whatever. <laughs> right? Like I, I need to like actually you know, do some work on myself. And he was like, you know what, dude, you can't you can't keep writing this book anymore. It's driving you crazy. Like, like you have to like just stop. And I was like, okay, you know, like maybe, maybe you're right. Like I've been down this path for, you know, a long time. And so anyway, like I'm doing that thing. And I'm like, so so what do I do? Like I just throw away this thing that I've spent like years of my life on. What do you do? Like if you're a writer and you don't do like know what to do next. I was just like, I don't know, go to fucking Iowa. Um, And so... I, you know, I live this nonfiction writing program. Let's
0: not let's not downplay the Irish writer writer's workshop, which has given. I us,
1: told you, Chris. I told you he was there for a reason.
0: It's crazy because Jason. It's weird because Jason's not a strong mm-hmm. reader, so I don't really know how he knew about. I learned this, about it from I an mean, uh,
1: episode of the TV show Girls featuring Lena Lena Dunham.
0: Okay, okay, friend of the show Lena Dunham told you about it. Mm-hmm. That makes that makes a little more sense. <laughs>
1: yeah, check it out. It's on HBO. This
0: is a prestigious program that has given us many. Classic novels. Let's not let's not downplay it like you're at the community college. Nothing wrong with that.
2: Yeah, no, totally. So so I wrote this letter like which is sort of felt like throwing a football into the ocean. You know what I mean? Like, sure, mm-hmm. let's see how this turns out or whatever. And then strangely, you know, they wrote back in March of 2020, like, hey, we want to give you this fellowship, come, you know, study here, learn how to be a better writer. I mean, the letter I wrote them was basically I've been writing about food for the past decade. I hate every single word that I've ever written. I think I'm a <laughs> shit writer. Uh, like, I'm I'm embarrassed. Please show me, like, a different way of doing what I've been doing. Because clearly it's not working, right?
1: So you were a sub looking for a dom, is what it sounds like. <laughs> 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 yeah, you, so you asked the
0: Irish, was, Iowa Writers Workshop to step on your balls with their Manolas, mm-hmm. and they agreed.
2: <laughs> you know, so, so it was amazing, right? Like, they they wrote back, again, like, this is March 2020. They're like, we want to give you this fellowship that's great, that'll give you a bunch of time to write, mm-hmm. like, you know, all this stuff where you're like, oh, man, this is killer. But also at the same time, you know, I'm like, okay, what, what's what's going on in the world? This is like when people are just starting to get sick, right? Mm-hmm. So my friends that had, like, convinced us to move to Bali – they're like, oh, like, let's just get everybody in a big huddle. Like, let's come over, come over to the house and, and we'll, we'll sort this thing out. Right. And so it's like a dozen like of us expats like center on going like, okay. So, um, well, they're saying we need to like quarantine. So like, maybe we could all like move into Sarah and Ken's house. It's like a big house. I'm like. I could be in charge of cooking. Somebody would be in charge of like getting the water. Somebody in charge of the diesel or something like that. <laughs> we'll ride it out for like six, eight weeks, whatever this thing is. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, let's let's talk to this like doctor. Like He's a friend of ours. Never been, talk like- to the doctors. Never talk to them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the word. The, the biggest mistake we ever made is asking Dr. Fauci what he thought. Look where we're at now. Now we're in a court. We had a pandemic. Everybody's had to get these for shots us, or whatever. On, Chris, it's crazy. On, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm
1: sorry. I'm sorry. I'm
2: sorry. I'm no, sorry. but I mean, seriously, right? It was this huge mistake where we get we get him on the speakerphone and he's like explaining like how quarantine works and like how like set up the island is for like handling something of like this. And basically it comes down to like, uh, you know, I think there's about eight beds that could meet like the qualifications to treat something like this difficult, you know, on the, on the island. Jesus. And there's like. Four million people here, um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> not looking great. But you do, you guys do get a lot of vitamin D over there, so that should be okay. Yeah, yeah sure.
2: absolutely. There's a lot of faith mm-hmm. healers. Um, <laughs> there's also people who like. I mean, and I'm I'm not joking. Like at this meeting with like my friends like somebody's like well we can make antibiotics out of roots and Hell stuff yeah. you yeah. know and then like another person's like oh no we could build like you know a ventilator tanks out of scuba tanks i'm sure of it like we just reverse oh, it this thing. and i'm like <laughs> no. sitting here going like what kind of fucking dumb science fiction movie am i in This sounds like, like a Shore biodome energy to it so far <laughs> I, th- I think Shore would probably play me in the movie mm-hmm. maybe Brendan fraser i don't know i'd like Brendan fraser personally he's hotter but yeah definitely uh so anyway at some at a certain point like we were like oh fuck it like we gotta go like the day we get to the airport is the day that like singapore says like you can't even have a flight like a layover Mm. land there like we're not even accepting that they tell like their gate agents to like stand up and walk away out of the airport the airport's filled with like hundreds of people with their bags just like where do i go i have a ticket but like my plane's not leaving now it's
0: it's jason it's jason in vegas after the life is beautiful festival (laughs) when he can't he can't (laughs) he can't kind of figure out how to get back to la i I get the picture
2: right and we just happen to be conducting through cutter and cutter had decided like if you have like a passport from the eastern hemisphere you can't get on the plane and if you have a passport from the western hemisphere you can get on the plane
0: it's easy though i like i like how clear cut mm-hmm. that is that's kind of it nice. was
2: it's a weird decision man so it makes a lot of sense the, i mean so basically we got back to the states and you know my thought is it's like well like the one thing you need in the world is like some kind of stability like this and these people nice nice people in iowa Are giving you a lifeline right now Mm -hmm. and you know the other thing that happens is i was just absolutely lying to my therapist through this whole thing and being like no like i'm not working on that book anymore that's bad for my head um definitely not doing that and the way that i had gone through that lie was i told myself i was going to write this magazine article about this book that didn't work out that i tried to write
0: (laughs) you thought you were going to (laughs) scam you thought you were going to scam your therapist by saying it was a magazine article about the book (laughs) You think
2: you're you're slick, chief? (laughs) I mean, do you guys come up with ways to lie to yourself like this? I do this all the time, apparently.
1: Yeah, it seems like a great little band aid, and I like it. I've heard worse. I don't need to write the whole book. Like, that's a a fool's errand. I will write a great magazine piece about the problems of writing a book, and then people are going to say, You're so brave for doing this.
2: (laughs) Yeah, man. And so, but then the pandemic hit, and so, like, I spent the next, like, six months of my life basically, like, Sitting in a bathtub, being like, what the fuck am I doing? And and finally finished the book that I've been trying to write for the past 10 years. Mm. And uh, now I live in Iowa. So...
0: Okay. Yeah, now, so, so it was all worth it. I mean, look, you didn't get COVID. You ate some good fruit and now you live in the middle of nowhere. It sounds like it worked out really well to me. You may mean, have
1: gotten we, COVID. We don't know that for sure, Chris.
2: Well, you know, actually, <laughs> I, we had a member of the household got COVID <laughs> mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't think I ever got it, but I, I started doing uh, a lot of mushroom foraging mm-hmm. during the pandemic and I, I got some sort of terrible, like, uh, poison ivy staph infection rash around the same time so that was my great medical trial
0: where were you where were you foraging
2: uh the woods in Mississippi
0: did you find any good shit oh
2: dude chanterelles in Mississippi absolutely killer unbelievable and no competition at all man like like you can just you could be like stock a like Italian restaurant with chanterelles for months with what you can get out of the woods I had
1: no idea they had those in Mississippi also also Mississippi chanterelles sounds like a a band that's opening for Lenny Kravitz (laughs)
2: All right. I mean, I would be there. I would go to basically anything right now.
1: I love a chantral. I mean, who doesn't,
0: but what were you doing with the? I mean, it sounds like you had a, a a load of these things. What were you doing? So,
2: you know, it was this weird thing. My buddy Tate, at the beginning of the pandemic, he's been living out there like a you know for a while now, and he just told like a bunch of us like, get out here and like let's have like this you know pandemic pod. Again, it was like kind of the thing that we thought it was going to be like, eight weeks, you know, 12 weeks max or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we ended up just having like a dozen of us, you know, making dinner for one another. Uh, big dinner parties out in the middle of the woods for uh, for months. And this sounds,
0: this sounds pretty idyllic, Jason. What do you think? Don't you wish you would have spent your pandemic with Wyatt and his mushrooms instead of me and a microphone? Yeah,
1: I, I think you should have hired a Netflix camera crew to cover this because this sounds like some great content, my friend.
2: Let me tell you this. This is the thing that I found out about it. For like so much of my lifetime, I've been thinking like, man, if I wasn't so busy or if I was around my close friends more, what I'd really want to have is like more dinner. parties, yeah. Right. Isn't that like the like. The grown-up thing where you're like, oh, we could all just hang out around the house. We can make food. We can really enjoy each other, not be rushed. The
1: number one social activity for for people who are 35 and up, I would you say. Wash you wash boring
0: you, losers. I go to restaurants like a fun nah, person. Well, you, you, get, you <laughs> they they have music.
1: You get to, well, I, I can put Rye on Sonos at my house. <laughs> but, you, but you get to you get to enjoy all the things of partying, excessive drinking. You're serving yourself however much you want to drink you know we can you can do shots you can do whatever you want you can have a you know hearty conversation and the the best part about it all you're you're sitting down the
2: whole time exactly all all of it's killer right the thing that i found out after dinner party thirty with the same dozen <laughs> very culturally interesting, fascinating people that you've had dinner parties with the past too much, you were fucking tired of it, man every mm. no one has anything to say to anyone, and it, you know it just got to the point where we're like, yeah sure, we'll fucking make you know fifteen pounds of meatballs and fresh spaghetti again tonight, yeah, that's fucking <laughs> fine, yeah, great oh, you got you got a case of Chianti Fantastic. Well, just, whatever
1: you know <laughs> chanterelle problems as they say but were you
0: were you the most skilled chef in this in this group or is there somebody coming for the crown of of head chef and you were more of a Sioux vibe
1: oh wow that's good chris I don't want to say that I was. <laughs> the answer knows. is yes. When he says that, the answer is yes. That.
0: I mean, why? You've dedicated you've dedicated your life to the culinary arts. Yeah, more. but also I mean, if, if work- he's
1: dedicated his life to the culinary arts, then he's probably rubbing elbows with like-minded folks who might actually be, you know, a professional Good chef. Point. Who, especially, you know, I love cooking. I've been doing it for a long time, but. I love cooking for a uh, two top, not a 12 top every night, you know what I mean?
2: You know, I listen, I'm I'm really like I I'm worried about Tate hearing this and and him thinking like, Wait a second, You you actually Tate
0: Tate doesn't listen to this. <laughs> Tate's too rich to listen to this podcast. Don't worry about that. I think that I think that he, it, you if you put him on the you put him on the salad station and that's fine. <laughs>
2: Uh, no, we <laughs> like we, that? we traded off. He was chef one night. I'd be sous chef. I would be chef one night. He would be sue It was a good dynamic. We we got You're sweet
1: started. for doing that. Yeah. You're sweet for doing that.
0: That's really nice. I didn't know this. I didn't know that this this COVID pod was also like a Make a Wish Foundation situation. But that's really I to cool.
1: throw the amateurs a bone every once in a while in the kitchen. I've, that's something I learned with my age. It's like
0: when Jason lets lets me you know take something out of the oven and tells me that I cooked. You know, it's like a it's a, it's a similar. It's a, it's, it's, it feels like charity, but everybody wins. You didn't even burn
1: yourself at all, did you, Chris?
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's my, that's my little chef. Yeah, exactly. It's nice. But that, that sounds like something
0: that would be fun for a little while. And I, you know, I, I don't know. The labor of cooking is something that I don't understand how you guys get past that. Because as a dish doer, Mm -hmm. I don't, Neither option looks good for me. The only option that looks good is putting down that American Express at a fine dining establishment. <laughs> I just don't – the amount of work that goes into it, are you getting pleasure out of this in a sick way or or are you looking at it as more of like a painting, like this is your art?
2: <laughs> what, what do you think about it, Jason? How do you feel about it? I'm curious. I th-
1: I think that you're so excited to impress those around you or one-up yourself from the last time or correct a mistake that you made the last time you were cooking a dinner party, try out a new recipe or a new method or a new technique you've been trying to learn. That that's, that that the high of that outweighs the dread of you know the the laborious chopping and the dish doing and then when you're done then it finally kind of all sinks in and then you then you're like oh right this fucking sucks I have to do dishes for a dinner of twelve <laughs> every fucking night I mean that, that could be a bummer I, I just don't but yeah I mean if you really love cooking and the art of it and and you know you have a severe need to get adoration from other people then. that that flame never goes out you always want to make the best meal you can and have a bunch of people who you uh respect congratulate you for doing a job well done
2: you know what man i'm i'm 100 on board with you because the thing that i've noticed when i cook for myself my skills go like down like 75 percent immediately Mm -hmm. i'm just like oh you're just you're just cooking for yourself who fucking cares i don't know man it's it's fine Mm -hmm. you talk to your
1: therapist about
2: that (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i probably should. Let's, i will put, add it to the list um but yeah i know like the thing that you really get to me with food is like yeah being able to like share it or like make it for somebody impress them i don't know for whatever reason like that's yeah like such a motivator to me i
0: like to impress i like to impress people by paying for the meal yeah if, if it's <laughs> under if it's under a certain amount of money of course like i you know if, if
2: that's why chris and i get
1: along so well there's in the in the food world, there's two kinds of kind of, you know we'll we'll call them panty droppers. There's there's dropping the Amex, and then there's you know like the chef movie where you're making I'm making you a fresh pasta at 2 a.m. after a long hard day, and then you're like, oh wow, you know, you're bae, you know.
0: I think it's more like when I wake up at your house, I'm a little hungover, and you're just in the kitchen, you know, mm-hmm. in your in your Ethica boxer briefs, making me a nice French style omelet as the sun rises.
1: You're wearing one of my J Crew oxfords as you wipe the <laughs> wipe the sleep out of your eyes.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I think that the, but I think of, uh, I think the, what are the, what are the three? Cause this is something that, that, that we've discussed before, but there's, there's certain dishes that, that if someone can make well, it's kind of the, def- it, it, you know, they can really cook. So one's an omelette. For me, with a, with a pizza restaurant, it's obviously the classic margarita. Uh, <laughs> Mm-hmm. But but are there other? Are there, is like a roast chicken fall into that category? Are there things I'm missing to be looking for in some up and coming chefs?
2: Yeah, man. Listen, I mean, if somebody can deliver a roast chicken that actually you know like impresses and distinguishes itself from other roast chickens, I spent years on this, man. I, I really went down the rabbit hole of like what are the, like the incremental improvements one can make to, to like a roast chicken that actually pays off mm-hmm. that's like you know it's it's like i mean it's similar to the omelet thing right where it's all about technique it's all mm-hmm. about like doing the things ahead of time that makes it you know better food
0: what's your what's your uh chicken game like
2: well you know the whole game with chicken is that there, there's too much water in it <laughs> <laughs> and I'm serious. I'm totally serious. I've been saying this for the years. The whole while. game with chicken,
0: right? <laughs> hey, stay with me. The whole thing with chicken, right? Too
1: much water. You know what? You know what doesn't have a whole lot of flavor, Chris? H2O. Damn. When you think about it that way. But don't you have to stuff? You know what does have flavor? The blood and flesh of chickens.
0: Don't you have to stuff a bunch of shit inside of them, though? No.
2: No. Nah it's a crutch
0: oh so that's pussy shit so if you put vegetables inside your chicken you're a bitch like that ain't real cooking
2: yeah stuffing the bird is a little antiquated i agree i agree i mean i think so the, the whole game to me with chicken is is aging it man drying it out if you can hang that thing and get some air circulating around it and then give it like a couple days to like sort of break down outside of like any kind of covering you're getting like a way way better chicken then uh if you just take it out yeah of the you salt that throw. bitch
1: 2 3 days in mm-hmm. the fridge uncovered mm-hmm. hang it if you can i don't i can't hang it in the mm-hmm. sub zero there's no hooks it's tough and then uh <laughs> but i'll i'll, I'll get a little it. wire rack under there let it and it really you know you can just see the salt uh, you know on the skin you can see the skin kind of tighten it up all that water leaving it
0: this sounds like this sounds like you're describing yourself in the equinox <laughs> sauna and it's turning me off it's it's, it's not making my tummy rumble no, i'll no, say no, that
1: no no that's a wet brine i'm talking about a dry Brian chris oh i see i <laughs> i see
0: i see i mean as of I, I mean i do feel like there's something so appealing about a roast chicken to me as a guy who doesn't eat meat but it's just there's it's something it's so nancy myers and like chic to me I don't know. I, it seems like the perf- the perfect meal.
1: I agree with that. There was um. The, remember remember the the episode where I was at the lake house in the cabin and it was super freezing. Chris, yes, I was dying of frostbite. I remember that day I had made uh, a roast chicken and it really kind of bring brought us back to life. And I had I remember it was so cold. For the for the backstory why we were staying at a at a lake house cabin and the heater had gone out. And it was like really, really, really cold. And it was actually more cold outside of the refrigerator than inside. And I did a dry brine of it just sitting out on the counter for two days yes. and then roasted it and then put some like pieces of bread underneath it. They soaked up all the, the chicken and made mm. some really good chicken toast. Mm. You know? yeah. But it was like one of those things where I was like so bored and I was like so I had nothing else to do and I could just devote the whole day to making this perfect meal. And it really was just like you know, some potatoes and some bread and so, and a chicken with salt on it, nothing else. You know, that could have been the best meal of my life.
0: What is it? Transcendent? Is that what you're saying? The food, the bite was transcendent.
1: I would argue it could be beyond transcendent.
0: Oh, I don't even have the words yeah. for that. I don't even know what that means. I didn't know chicken could be. You know, all we hear about these days is hot chicken. You know what I mean? Lame shit. I That's think we're forgetting crutch. the roast. That's another crush. I think we're forgetting. Yeah, yeah. You got me in the, the, the
1: mood roast. to pick up a nice mary's air chilled organic bird or maybe even a springer mountain chicken you know something good (laughs) uh, the good the
0: the good stuff yeah i mean i i didn't mean i didn't even bring up chicken because you're the foremost expert on the birds uh wyatt but it is it does i mean you've you've killed a chicken with your bare hands is that correct
2: yeah too many Too many, man. (laughs) Did
0: you feel? Did you feel power or guilt or a mixture of both?
2: Yeah, yeah, definitely the mixture of both. I mean, like it depends on how many times you do it. You know, you get a little worn out over it. You know, at a certain time, the first time you do something like that, you're, you know, like probably like pretty terrified Mm -hmm. of the uh, of the situation. You know, I had people who sort of taught me like, you know, what they thought the best practices were, you know, like I spent a lot of time spent time in bad places, too, you know,
0: because basically you're saying there's like an ethical way to do this and there's there's people that do it differently.
2: Uh, Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think I I think there there's a possibility that, you know, if you did it yourself, you sat down with it, Chris, you could come to terms with it and you could say like, okay, like I get this. I feel comfortable with it.
0: That's interesting because I don't have any ethical more like ethical or morals uh when it comes to most things, especially not meat, but mm-hmm. I do think that it's just a that would be like a big bridge to cross. Like I can't I can't imagine doing that. But you're saying if I spent enough time with it and kind of understood the process and listened to the right people, that it would be something I could I, I could even do.
2: Well, I do want to be clear here. I'm not somebody who's saying Someone should think this way or someone should think another way. Sure, This is a a big part of what's happened with meat. is that, you know, the big companies decided the best thing to do is hide this from people. Make sure they don't see anything because when people see this stuff, they they don't want to have anything to do with it. And so we're going to hide it. And so the only time like we encounter, you know, like a slaughterhouse or something like that is usually like a video where something like has gone terribly wrong, right? where like like the worst kind of things are coming together in this this bad moment but what what I'm kind of, I'm saying is like if you if you do have like the interest in looking this stuff directly in the eye rather than like a, avoiding what might be good or might be bad about it i think there's something that like you really learn about yourself from slaughtering a chicken or shooting a deer or something like this and I, you know whether it's worth your time to do something like that or whether like you would want to do something like that that's up to you know up to you but i think you know it's something that we've been doing for as long as we've been a species you know and i think we like get in touch with part of who we are by learning like how we do that
1: jason do you think you could do it yeah i think so i think so i mean i've i've i think i've done it with a duck before but no, i haven't done like the head i don't think i've done just like knife to the neck murder um i've definitely like killed fish and stuff that way but fish are you know why are, why are fish different somehow to us why
2: <laughs> why are fish different that's a good question they can't scream well yeah we have different communications for sure like I, i'll say this as far as the animals go we've got it down with cows we're like 99 percent of the time a cow doesn't know it's gonna die mm-hmm. i would say with trout man i gotta say like you go to a good trout farm And all they're doing is taking the trout out of a pond and putting it into an ice bath. And, and, and that's it. You know, like there's not a lot of drama there. Mm -hmm. Chickens on the other hand, man, chickens know they're going to fucking die every single time they get anywhere near it. They have like this extra sensory thing and they get scared and like that no one's figured out the way around that chickens are very like aware that they're going to die.
1: Is that a thing that people are actively trying to figure out a solution for? Or it's like, if we can get it, then great. If not, then whatever.
2: You know, I think, I think the, the general idea with all of this stuff is you want to make it go as quickly and painlessly as possible, right? You know, and I, I think there are people, you know, there's one version of your big industrial farming where they're crating up chickens, they're putting them on the back of a semi truck, and then driving them hours down the freeway. And then backing that into like a gigantic slaughterhouse that's you know pumping two hundred thousand chickens a day. Sure. And this is a long and exhausting and like really stressful process, which is really different than I would say like you know a small farmer who has like a slaughter exemption who can crate up the the chickens in the field, bring them over to a shed, and then it's done in a few minutes. Right.
1: What do you What do you think about the the like the kind of the theories behind that stress being inside the animal when it's killed, affecting the, the flavor or the quality of the meat.
2: 100% man. It's there. There's really? no question in my mind that that's real. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You have, I mean, it's, it's a hormonal reaction that happens in animals where you have, um, you know, a cow that's, you know, been trucked for forever to get to the slaughterhouse. They're building up stuff with, within their muscles that whole time. You have a relaxed animal. That, you know, has been walked in from a pasture to the, you know, the side of the place uh, that they're getting into, the slaughterhouse, completely different. I mean, you see it with game animals, too. It's one of the reasons that, like, game tends to have, like, a, you know, a flavor that some people don't like is that oftentimes in that process, like, you know, uh, a buck will be stressed out or fighting you know, for its life for a while near the end of that process. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's 100% real.
1: Are you familiar with the the Ikejime for the fish as well?
2: Uh, fill me in on that one, Jason. I'm not quite sure if I heard you correctly.
1: Yeah, I'm not
0: sure either. It sounds like a word you made up.
1: It's a practice they do in Japan, um, a way of killing fish by basically putting it like a thin steel wire, kind of like a coat hanger type of thing, straight into the, the, the main nerve on the spinal cord mm-hmm. to kind of kill them. Instant- similar to the way, you know, like the bolt in the head for the cow, mm-hmm. where it's like an instantaneous death. Like the way that it, you, you kind of put this wire down into the head of the fish and you kind of jam it around. And it sort of disables all the nervous system, so it doesn't allow Damn. you know, kind of the, the that fear and blood and you know those those energy pulses to get into the muscle meat.
2: I mean, it sounds like a good system. It does. Um, you know, I mean, I I feel like you know the bolt is a really being you know having been in a slaughterhouse where we use the bolt. Um, I, I think it's a good system. Yeah, I mean, like the, to me, you know what the thing that kills me, man.
0: No pun intended. I hope. <laughs>
2: So, so here's the thing. Like, I feel like when we talk about like animal welfare, we talk about, you know, that kind of thing. People often like they've, they have some memory of like a clip they saw on YouTube or on the news of like some guy like kicking an animal or something like that, or like something going really wrong Mm -hmm. in a slaughterhouse. But like, there isn't a person that I've ever met that worked in a slaughterhouse that didn't want to make that process be as quick and as simple and straightforward as it possibly could. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that's to no one's benefit to like drag that out to make that harder for the animal. The reason that stuff happens, man, is because companies hire these people, pay them, you know, like awful wages, give them no breaks and then make them participate at a speed that's way too fast. Right. I mean, the, the, the deal is, is that it's straight up like abuse of the people that are working in the slaughterhouses and, and this is one of the things that just kills me, man. Like, I, I think people who are, like, concerned about animal welfare, you know, the number one thing they should be current, concerned about is the labor rights of people who work in slaughterhouses. To me, like, that's a direct one-to-one line. You take care of those people. That's,
0: like, where it actually – that's where the issue is. 100%.
2: Starts. Um. So, I mean, you know, that's and that's not really, you know, what I'm trying to, like – this isn't, like, a polemical book or whatever. But you come across this stuff when you're working and you go, like, man, like – People's understanding of that situation versus what's actually happening in in those situations are just huge. There's a huge gulf.
0: I mean, do you think that that meat consumption will actually not go away, but truly decrease in our lifetime? Like, like there's, I mean, there's there's that movement happening now. And as a person who's been, you know, vegetarian or, or vegan or pescatarian or whatever for 20, 25 years, it it seems like this is the biggest it's ever been. That like swell and that discussion and like. It's bad for the environment. It's bad, you know. It, it, it's not just about like uh, animals anymore. They've made it a bigger, a bigger story. And, and do you think that's that's actually realistic, or do you think that people don't really give a fuck?
2: There's there's a lot of things here. I think people have made some compelling arguments. I think you know when you talk about the climate, there's there's a real compelling argument there. I think part of the question that people haven't fully thought thought through there is that if we were to replace, let's say, all of the calories that we get from animal protein across the world, and then we were- Now tried- we're talking,
0: so you're saying if I don't get these animal proteins, my my titty's going to be sagging? Is that what you're saying? No, no, That's no, 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 no,
2: no, no, not saying that at all. I'm, I'm <laughs> saying from <laughs> from an agricultural perspective, the amount that you would have to change of shifting into row crop production- to do all of the things that you're replacing those calories with would create another but different set of agricultural calamities
0: I, I see there, so it's the dominoes start falling and we got all kinds of fucking problems like we are we're at square one you
2: know listen yeah you know, this is part of the deal is just feeding you know several billion people on the planet is going to be challenging and probably disastrous no matter which way you cut it
1: yeah. That's why we have this man-made pandemic, <laughs> yes. kind of that overpopulation. Exactly, yeah.
2: Yes. yeah. I, I was compelled for a minute by the idea of the, the lab-grown meat. I, you know, the way that one person presented it to me was uh, meat without slaughter, right? That's the same thing, but you don't have the slaughter process. Mm-hmm. The slow rollout of that technology, I'm just saying if there's anybody who works at a company like that who wants to show me that it works – and that it doesn't require as much or more energy input to create that. Mm-hmm. I'm all ears. I'd love to, to see that. I haven't seen that yet. And so, I mean, the, you know, the part of the deal with, with this whole question, man, is is that we're always looking at like farms being like this huge problem. Right. And like, sure. Like, I mean, that's maybe, maybe part of the deal. Like, you know, we have created all of this, all of these problems on our planet through agriculture But like there's no solution that I've seen where you could so. oh, we're going to get rid of farms. Like you're going to replace one farm that has X problem with maybe another farm, which has a different Different problem.
0: problem. Yeah. yeah, You know,
2: and I don't want to be a naysayer. I think there's a lot of people who like they see like some real promise. And, right, look, and I'm not, I'm not like a solutions guy. I'm, I'm somebody totally who's like, <laughs> I like that. With I like stuff. that. <laughs> look, I'm not
0: a solutions guy, Chris. Don't ask me more questions on this podcast. Well, I hopefully, I hope to be dead before any of this stuff is really a problem. That's kind of where my head's at. You know what I mean? Like as long as I'm dead before it's really a problem, yeah. I, it's tough for me to be that concerned at this, at this stage. I think that's what kind you of know, every
1: what, generation thinks about their previous you know, they're yeah. the future generation yeah. and it just keeps getting worse and worse but you know maybe technology will save us who knows
0: it saved me so far um i would like to ask you why it as well so jason my my co-host um he's kind of moved into this real like post restaurant i hate every restaurant phase of his life and it's pretty annoying for me but it's great for the show <laughs> so like any anywhere we go he like shits on it and it's annoying in the moment, but then when we're able to talk about it on the pot, everything is content, so I basically have no choice. So I'm wondering, as a former restaurant critic and obviously uh, amateur chef, can you go to a restaurant and enjoy it or are you a fucking hater like Jason?
2: Uh man, you know, that's been weird. I haven't gone out to a restaurant in a while. You know?
0: I guess I guess the cul- I guess the culinary scene in Iowa is not <laughs> probably the the
1: best.
2: Which
0: um,
1: Panera has the most chef driven one? <laughs>
2: you know i i'll say this i i do think you know the the glamour the thing that like i fell in love with 10 years ago in atlanta you know where i was first writing about restaurants and like all of that was new and really interesting to me whatever whatever that period of time was has changed to a great deal to me you know like i i don't get the same kick out of it i don't I don't know if I really ever want to live a lifestyle where I spend that much time in restaurants again. But I am, I'm kind of curious like, like when this shit, you know, like, like what is the next era of restaurants? I don't know. Jason, do you have thoughts on this? Like, like, is there like a ghost
0: kitchens? I've read about them a lot. Seems cool. (laughs) Yeah. It seems pretty cool. And I I've had some sushi from one of them and it wasn't bad, you know? And yeah. then and I think I think Wiz Khalifa has some as That's well, right. which right. is also promising cuz you know, guys that smoke that much weed, they know about <laughs> food. You know, they kind of know about food, but
1: Chris, you have a lot of good points on this. I
0: hope the future of restaurants is never hearing rap music at dinner again and <laughs> better better bread service. Now that I'm having carbs again, I want a really curated bread basket.
2: Shit, Chris you're back on bread? <laughs> well, not
0: full time, but I stopped eating dessert. So I need the carbohydrates for energy for lifting. Well,
2: fuck yeah, man.
0: So it's, but, but Jason, please, please give us your thoughts on the future of restaurants. I can't wait to hear, <laughs> hear what you, what you've come up with. You can't just say sweet green. That's not the future. Of
1: restaurants. I think, uh, I think that we're going to move towards a, a place where there's consistency more than innovation. Like, You know places like thank God, like corporate steakhouses and cheesecake factories and places like that where the food is not awful, but it's not you know nothing new is happening, but you're always going to get something that's that's good enough, and the service is always going to be good. I think those places are going to kind of thrive and take off more because you know people are just going to get, or maybe not people, but just myself personally. It's, it's too much of a gamble to go to a new fly by night restaurant where there's so many things that can go wrong and it costs so much money where you're just like, well, that was a disappointment. I I could have just gone to Cheesecake Factory.
0: So you're saying, so you're saying we're going to be hitting Houston's three nights a week. Yeah. I think
1: Houston's will have, you know, continue to thrive. Um, you know, and, and, you know, places like that where. Thank God. uh, Now that we're going to be cooking more at home with our designer cookware and we're going to be ordering our Uber Eats and we're going to do our meal kits and all these things, when we go out to eat, it has to be a real experience. And then the service itself has to be a huge part of that. And right now, that's the biggest issue. Nobody can hire quality servers or even bad quality servers right now because of the quarantine. Nobody wants to work anymore in that industry the way they can't pay people enough to to do it anymore. So that's kind of like, I think that's going to be the battleground of what the future of restaurants are because those places like Houston's or Cheesecake or whatever, like despite their their faults, they're, they you're always going to get good service there. You're always going to get a team of people where they put that you know, as a as a priority. Yeah, and if that gets taken away, then there's going to truly be no reason to go out to restaurants anymore.
2: I'm, I'm all I'm all for a future that involves eating at Houston. Three times <laughs> a week. That's just to be clear. And yeah. mean, I miss that that spinach dip so much. <laughs> Since I moved away from Atlanta, I haven't had it, man. God, I love oh, yeah. that place. Um, Yeah, you know, I mean, to me, like, like, I'm going back to Atlanta this weekend, right? And like, the number one thing that I'm thinking about going back to restaurants is like, Oh, uh, who can I see? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like the people, like, like, is Jesse going to be behind the bar at Kimball house? You know, mm-hmm. like, I'd like to see Jesse. I'd like to see Brian, you know, or like, is Alan going to be at eight arm, you know? And like, and to me, like, that's, that's what makes sense, you know, to what you're saying. Like, I think the the thing about restaurants just has to be people in the end, man. It has to be the people have to be want to be in that place and they have to be in a situation where they, they can take care of you directly as well. Like, kind of everything else is noise. Like, that's what restaurants should be about.
0: You make a great point. And I, that's why I will continue to go to places like the wonderful Tower Bar at the Sunset Tower where I can enjoy a $65 piece of fish with some spinach. <laughs> and this the, the server is hot and everything makes sense. There's a live, there's a jazz band playing. Yeah. You got, you know, this, I, I'm just glad though. And I do, I make fun of Jason Fist all the time, but I do think the era of like the, this stupid like novelty pop-up that's in a faraway place is over i I think that is finally done which is along with like the speakeasy trend i'm happy to see buried you know six feet underground
1: Mm -hmm. i I think young people are still okay with that of like hey you know order order my pickle thingy on monday and then you can pick it up on friday from 3 p.m to 5 p.m from my cousin's house and everyone's like yeah that sounds like an awesome thing i'll build my i'll build my life around this like i don't think anyone's gonna want to do that anymore once you hit a certain age but yeah i think i think the era of all that stuff is is kind of going away and but we i make fun of you a lot chris about like the what what you value in a restaurant of, of all those things but i i think it's starting to come to become true like that that is what is going to be valued more above anything like yeah, I'm going to a restaurant. Yeah, it's going to be a waste of money. Yeah, it's going to, the food's not going to be that good. But, you know, there's a jazz band playing. There's a beautiful scene. The person serving me the food is hot. The clientele is good. And you're going there for the experience. You're taking a photo of the napkin. It's a status symbol.
0: Don't talk about bar pity like that, bro. Don't come at bar pity on on my podcast. No, yeah, I mean bar okay? pity is a
1: great place to get a drink. Don't don't get any food, but yeah.
0: Jason does. Jason just shit, literally shits on everything. I don't know where to go anymore, Wyatt. That's the problem. I don't know where to go with my friend to have a meal that is going to be up to his standard, unless it's unless it's I I am I'm, I'm lost. That's like, the problem. I don't, Chris, where-
1: I don't know either. That's why I, I eat a bodega sandwich and, and and let's just get martinis wherever you go eat food at wherever your thirty dollar bowl. The vegetables is at i will get it i will get a martini there i just i
0: mean i guess that would help with weight loss which maybe isn't a bad program to run mm. but i do think that the i i don't know i mean it's, it's tough i i i haven't heard jason talk even after his italian journey he didn't talk positively about the food so it's 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 I'm sure I'm sure your partner Wyatt is fed up with you complaining about every restaurant, too, so we could probably relate
2: yeah, yeah i I definitely got a bad reputation near the end where it was impossible <laughs> to like make me happy, and I, you know, like again, this is probably something I spent too many hours talking to my therapist about Man, mm-hmm. you know, I think the key is if you're that disappointed about going out and spending two hundred bucks on dinner you shouldn't be going out
0: to fucking dinner. Great point. Great point. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's it. Well,
1: I've I've actually trained my partner into also being a, a snobby hater. And I don't know if I did that intentionally or not, or if she actually does agree with my philosophies on things, but she has sort of become a person who also turns her nose up at almost any restaurant setting as well. And I don't know if that's a sign that I have uh, uh, chosen the right life partner, or if I have polluted her innocent mind.
0: Mm, it feels like you're just a bad guy, you know, or just, or
1: <laughs> I'm just a bad man right. in general.
0: Yeah, it seems like you're a man that's once again forcing the patriarchy on, uh, on a. Uh-huh. I
2: got, I got a question a, for yeah, you, and, Jason. And, and Here, here's something that I feel like is completely missing from like the the food conversation right now, and I think you're one of the few people I've seen comment on it. Hmm. Do you think restaurants could pull you back in if we brought back smoking?
0: <laughs> oh yeah.
1: <laughs> great question. Honestly, great question. The answer is yes. One yeah, 100%. 100%. Because, you know, smoking in itself is an experience and you know, especially once you get older, I've noticed it's just like I like Chris was saying like I'm I'm a, I'm a simple man. Give me a good bread basket and the server keeps refilling my ice my iced tea or whatever it is, like those little things. If I can go to a place where there's a nice ashtray, the martinis made well and is cold, and I have a nice view to look at, charge me a hundred dollars for a fucking cheeseburger that tastes like shit. I don't care. I'm 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 just happy to be there. You know what I <laughs> yeah, mean?
2: Yeah, man. You know when I read that thing that you wrote about smoking and food, it blew my mind because like I've had this thing for a while where it's like what's like what's missing from food media. I mean, you know, you follow this stuff, and it's like. You know, I I hate to be like the like hater on like my former profession, but like everybody gets on the same subjects and sort of decides like this is what we're talking about this year. Like this is the important thing to talk about with food or this is like the cool trend. Mm -hmm. But like we smoked in restaurants for the existence of restaurants yeah like the whole time that restaurants have existed people have been smoking in them and it's only like the past what 20 20 something years that we decided that doesn't go anymore and then we all pretend like it doesn't exist and it's not part of the experience Mm -hmm. like 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 why are we like i'm i don't know man i'm just like a cigarette truther why are we pretending (laughs) cigarettes don't exist they should be part of the conversation yeah they should be part of the food conversation yeah
0: i mean wait till we smoke on planes again (laughs)
2: Whoa, i'm okay with not whoa. smoking on planes but
1: the restaurant thing yeah i mean <laughs> okay Pussy. but you i mean especially during quarantine you know you're watching all these old movies and all these directors you know mm-hmm. paul thomas anderson Quentin tarantino they're making all these films about the the good old days or you watch Mad Men or whatever it is and everyone goes to a bar and you sit down you order your drink and you light a cigarette and and that's that's an, an equal part of the whole experience and that is totally gone now and now that has been replaced with you know, I'm going to look at my Instagram instead.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. So, wait a second. Are y'all... Chris, you don't smoke, right? I'll have
0: a cheeky sig every once in a while, but I mean, not... It's not... I, I wouldn't go somewhere because they allowed me to smoke like Jason would. <laughs> But I do think smoking is just... Is one of the coolest things that exists. It's like one of the coolest things you can do. And to ban it is is unfair.
1: I think having a smoking section that was that was a, a fine compromise um and having one outdoors is is good but I mean, when i was in italy i was truly spoiled and i was almost shocked at, at like i'd be in a scenario where there would not be a single person smoking i'm in this elegant dining room and everything is all good i'm like oh i'm sorry is like is it okay if i smoke in here and they're like oh yeah thank god like please like they they wanted somebody to break the seal and start it up and then as soon as i did that everyone else in the restaurant started smoking and then the, the whole energy became much more relaxed.
2: Yeah. No, I mean the same thing in Southeast Asia, man, like, like people didn't stop smoking there, mm-hmm. you know? And maybe it was just like where I lived, most places were open air. So that like sort of compensated for it a little bit, but like it's a completely different approach to it. It's just like something that like no one ever thought like, Oh, why would we stop doing that? Cigarette smoking's fantastic.
0: Right? <laughs> when you put it like that, you know, when you put it like that, what is the what was the drug scene in Bali like?
2: Man, you know, I was I was trying to take care of myself. So I can't say that like I was like, you know, super down and into all of that sort of stuff. But, you know, you had on the one hand people who were seeking to like make contact through God, through like lifting <laughs> the back of the toad. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was definitely yeah. like a thing that was happening there. Yeah. And then you sort of had like your standard european slash australian scene like you know like really stepped on bags of ketamine in the club kind of vibe (laughs) Um, okay and it is sort of somewhere in between you know you had a a, a lot of other stuff but um you know like i was like getting up early in the morning you know like drinking coconut water and shit like that man you know like that's
0: wow you're on the cb wave we love to see it when do you when do you finish in Iowa? When do you get to return to society?
2: Uh, no comment. <laughs> we're playing it by the week out here, man. Like
0: Wow, okay, so it's going really well out there. Good to know. Good to know there's like some hard dates. Things are going great. I mean, I love that. What But how does it feel? I mean, as we're wrapping up. I mean, how does it feel? 10 years of working on a book is astronomical. I mean, that is that's truly hard to fathom for for anyone. Does it feel amazing to have it completed or does it feel like there's a void where the book used to be
2: yeah it's the second one man for sure you know i you know i don't i don't want to go down on it but it's like you know the thing you learn as a writer is like to like keep working to keep revising you know and to like find like what wasn't working and then improve it and and keep going and and when you push this stuff out in the world man like i'm a proud i'm as proud of this thing as like anything i'll ever make in my life right you know like this is like i'm so glad I, i get to share it but like you know, the thing that they tell you is, this is your entourage. <laughs> it's, it's anything that you want to put on that. That's what it is for me, <laughs> whatever it is, you know, people might not like it. People might be into it. I I don't know. But, uh, you know, the thing about it is, is like, you just want to keep writing, you know, that's, that's what I, I want to do, man. I just, I just want to be on the next story. You know, uh, I've had a lot of stuff come out in the past few months and it's just like, uh, I'm I'm really stoked to like catch up with some friends. Like I'm gonna go to Atlanta and like all the people that like I complained to about working on this book for like years and like annoyed, <laughs> I can finally like apologize to and say, like, here's this thing, you don't have to hear me talk about it anymore, man. You know Hey
0: guys, for after for ten years of annoying you, Ezra, I got you an autographed copy of my <laughs> book. So thank thank you so much for your support. <laughs> And dedication during this difficult period of my life. Okay,
1: so just just to confirm that the book
2: that you're talking about is Springer Mountain, or is this a different book? Springer Mountain: Meditations on Killing and Eating out on Tuesday. Thanks for having me on to talk about it, man.
0: Man, I'm very now I'm very proud of you, man. I know this has been a, a long haul, and I think that um, I think that this is you know there's a few there's there's a few tasks in life that are more daunting than writing a book, uh, and I, I think that that uh, completing it must feel. Must feel really good, and you'll find some other bullshit to do. don't worry about it
2: oh yeah man no i'm 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 trying to convince like uh you know any like celebrities that need like puff piece profiles are in about them. Like we could just
0: go like. Don't 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 come for us like that. Okay, like we're not we're not celebrities. We're just podcasts. And I would say that story had some meat on the fucking bone. Maybe you need to read it again. But there was some there was some meat on that. Jason, you you got a little you got a little gristle in your teeth after reading that story. I think.
1: Oh yeah, I I have a meat high right now. Not unlike when I go to a Korean barbecue joint. That's how I'm feeling right now. Satiated with 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 the flesh. I mean, almost like I was eating horse or something. (laughs) I could run
2: faster. I love it for you guys. Wait, so, so when do y'all leave for a tour? When's that happen? Are you going to be in Atlanta on the first, October first? No, man, I'm I'm out like Monday morning, so I'm going to miss y'all.
0: Okay, no, we we leave we leave. Yeah, we start October first, so we leave September thirtieth from L.A. We get to Atlanta. Jason gets to spend more time with my parents, mm-hmm. and then we hit the then we hit the stage. You know. Um, we've been talking about this for so long. I'm ready to get it over with. All right, Wyatt. Uh, the book Springer Mountain uh, is in stores on Tuesday. You can get that wherever you buy books. And uh, where can they find you on on Twitter to follow along with the action?
2: Wyatt underscore Williams.
0: Thank you. Uh, nice to hear from you, bro. Please be careful out there. I don't know what happens in Iowa. I feel like there's. I feel like something bad could happen. So just be careful.
2: Thank you, CD. Thank be you. Be careful. Jeff. Don't
0: talk. Don't don't talk to your neighbors and shit. All right. Be careful. <laughs> I don't fucking know uh, alright we'll talk to you soon uh, Wyatt thank you alright be safe alright later bro